Good afternoon, and welcome to the Freedom to Buy podcast, presented by Supernet. I'm Joe Dworsky, the president of retail banking for Supernet. And each week, our podcast will take you behind the scenes of banking, finance, payments, and technology to help educate both businesses and listeners like yourself on how to make the most of your purchasing power in the world of credit and cannabis. My next guest's background includes seven years as chief of staff at Pentagon Federal Credit Union, the second largest credit union in the world. He also worked nine years as chief of staff at the NCUA, National Credit Union Administration, the credit union industry's federal regulator, similar to the FDIC for banks, where he advocated for regulators to find creative ways to allow credit unions to serve cannabis-related businesses. Steve is now the president and CEO of a credit union that currently manages over $300 million in assets through six locations covering Southeast Florida from Miami-Dade County up to St. Lucie County. A key distinction is that they are the only credit union in the state of Florida approved to provide financial services to the cannabis-related business. Please welcome to today's show, Steve Bosak, President and CEO of Guardians Credit Union. Steve, welcome to today's show and thank you. Thank you, Joe. What a terrific introduction. So excited to have a chance to talk with your audience about our cannabis banking. It really is a unique program and it's it's helping people throughout the state. Well, it's it's our pleasure to have you on to learn more about what you're doing. You're right up the uh, the road from me, as we were talking earlier. You know, you're in West Palm, I'm in Boca, so I'm definitely interested in learning about what you guys are doing in the state of Florida and in the neighborhood. Let's jump right into it. And before we get into the you know the details of what's going on with the the credit union, we'd like to learn more about yourself, your background. Take a step back and share with our listeners about your early days in your career and how it led to where you are today, you know, heading, uh, you know, Guardian Credit Union. I really appreciate that question because I love telling this story of how I discovered what a credit union is. You know, a lot of your listeners might not know, as you mentioned, we're the only credit union that even offers cannabis banking. Most of those services are provided by traditional banks, but was always interested in finance. As a college student, I majored in economics. And when I got my first job, of course, I was working right down here at North Palm Beach for what was then called Bank Rate Monitor. This is, I have to age myself here. This is before the internet existed. So it was just a, a newspaper that cited bank rates for every bank in the country. And my job was to go through bank ads or newspapers around the country and then write stories about some of the best deals in America. But more and more, while I was doing this, I was looking at ads for credit unions. And like I said, I didn't even know what a credit union was coming out of school. But I thought, well, it's, it has credit in the name. It must be like a bank, right? So I started calling the credit unions to ask how they were offering such great rates on savings and, and loans. And they said, well, because we're nonprofit and our boards are all volunteers, we have low expenses. But the most interesting thing was they said we're owned by the members. I said, what's a, a member? And they said, well, a credit union member is basically anybody that, that puts a deposit in the credit union. Everyone who has a deposit in the credit union is part owner of the credit union. They can elect the board of directors and they can run for the board of directors. And I remember telling the, the credit union leader, I said, credit unions are the best kept secret in America. <laughs> 
So after that, I really dedicated my entire career to helping credit unions and trying to get the word out about credit unions being the nonprofit alternative to banks. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's a that's a great overview. And as you said, you know, a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with credit unions. I came from the banking world. Okay. And I dealt with, you know, banks throughout the country. I'm not really credit unions with our particular service. Coming into, you know, this space and talking about credit unions, I've learned more. We did have, you know, we had Rodney Hood on uh, a couple of uh, months ago, um, who just stepped down as, uh, I guess, the chairman of the NCUA. Uh, well, that's uh, that's very informative uh, and, a, and a great overview. Let's start a little bit about Guardians, okay? And can you share with our listeners, what was the catalyst to entering the cannabis banking and how long has the program been up and running? Well, that's been up and running about three years. And that's why I, since I've only been at Guardians for about 10 months, I also asked the, the two people who are running our cannabis program day to day, Kim Romanelli and Jasper Boone, to to jump in where, where um, they can add some perspective on why the credit union offered it. But I can tell you why we continue to offer it because I, I first, I guess I'll, I'll answer first. Mm-hmm. And Kim and Jasper can jump in if they like. But for me, as soon as I got here, of course, I got an overview of all the programs and I too was intrigued about cannabis banking because having worked with Rodney Hood at, at NCUA, I strongly believed that that credit unions and banks need to, to bank cannabis businesses and the businesses that support cannabis businesses, in addition to all the employees that work for cannabis businesses, because it's a public safety issue. I feel very strongly about that, that because the federal government still refuses to, to legalize marijuana, We've got cannabis businesses having to deal with all cash, not being able to use national banks, federal credit unions, and even credit cards to take payments. So with all that cash floating around on the streets, going from business to business, that's a public safety issue. And so with cannabis banking, we can provide armored car service and security. And Kim and Jasper, again, they can get into more specifics about how that works. That's why I felt strongly going into Guardians that we needed to continue that program. And and in true credit union spirit, we don't really make money on this program. We price it just to break even, which is you know, really what credit unions do. And that, that's why we're really proud of the services that we offer here at Guardians for the marijuana banking and the ancillary businesses. That's because, interesting. Yeah, for each for each major marijuana or cannabis distributor, there might be 60 businesses that support that that one distributor. You, you piqued my interest on uh, something that you just said. You don't really make much margin on, on the relationship with, with the cannabis-related businesses. It's really a, more of a break-even. How do credit unions in general you know, make profit, if you will? Because with a traditional bank, obviously, you, 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 know, you, you uh, take in money, you, you pay an interest rate, you lend, you know, lend long, you know, you, you pay short-term rates, low rates, and you lend long, and you, you pick up the spread. How, how does a credit union, for the most part, you know, how are they making money? I know they're nonprofits, so can you explain a little bit about that before we- Yeah, that's a great question, Joe. In terms of the spread, the credit union makes money similar to the banks in that they do, of course, charge market rate on loans and, and market rate on deposits, and there's always a spread between that. So you might be able to get a, a car loan, you know, say it at, at 6%, and then you might earn, if, if you put a, your money in a CD, you might earn 5%. So that, that 1% margin is where the credit union would make the money. But 
what the credit union tries to do is squeeze the margins tighter than a bank would. You know, a bank is going to try to get the, the the largest spread between what they can earn on the loans and versus what they pay on the deposits. Mm-hmm. And credit union likes to to do the opposite to try to minimize that spread because we we have to answer to all depositors. They're our owners, so we have to make all our owners happy, not just a, a small group of shareholders that a bank might have. Right, 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 right. And then with cannabis, what we're doing. Now that's more of a, it's less of a spread kind of arrangement versus it's more of a fee for service. So we provide services to the cannabis businesses, you know, like I mentioned, the armored truck service and Jasper, for example, is a private banking consultant. So anyone at the, at the marijuana businesses, cannabis businesses that, that we work with, they know they can go to Jasper. He's their personal banker. And where Kim comes in, she's the compliance manager. So she makes sure that that she's looking out for fraud, that that's always a, an issue with you know, cash-based businesses of any kind, but especially cannabis businesses. So she's on the lookout to look for you know, fraudulent checks or ID theft. She's got a team of compliance specialists behind her. So what we try to do is we take the cost of what the armored trucks are costing us, Kim and Jasper's time and equipment, and we just... we then figure out our cost for providing the service, and then we price it to the cannabis business in terms of monthly fee to offset that cost. So it's basically a break-even setup. Interesting. So it seems like cannabis-related businesses will be better suited, you know, trying to establish a relationship with a credit union versus a traditional bank, because banks are you know, obviously going to have, it sounds like, based on what you're telling me, wider spreads on the loans, you know, and the services are more, more so the loans that they're making, you know, to those businesses, if there's revolving lines or whatnot. Absolutely, Joe. That's a great point. And I think even in, in the services that the banks might not want to go break even, they might want to price the monthly fee high enough that they can earn a profit on the cannabis service. Because it's not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just how a bank is structured. The bank is, is in business to make a profit to pay dividends to their shareholders. Right. You're you're a nonprofit. They're a for-profit. I got it. Right. Uh, Now, understanding that Guardians is the only credit union in Florida that's currently offering, you know, financial services, banking, you know, to the cannabis industry, that's great for you guys uh, as you're the only game in town. I guess they must be knocking, you know, knocking the door off the hinges. I, I, I would imagine that you have, you know, you're the only player in town. Have you seen, you know, a dramatic increase since you've joined. I mean, I, I, in terms of the number of you know new loan origination, you know new applications, you know your facility on a daily basis. I'd say not on a daily basis, honestly, Joe, because uh, you probably know the state of Florida strictly limits licenses for for cannabis businesses. That hasn't grown at least in the, the almost the year that I've been at Guardians. Mm-hmm. What has grown somewhat is the ancillary businesses that support the cannabis businesses as they grow. You know, the, the primary cannabis businesses that we serve, they are growing. They're adding more dispensaries, which means then they're adding more local firms that support them. Mm-hmm. And again, Kim and Jasper could give some examples, but they're, you know, for example, the, the firms that provide air conditioning, that provide basically facilities management for the dispensaries and that kind of thing. So that has been growing. Uh, can you discuss you know, the underwriting process? Obviously, I, I understand Safe Harbor is running your cannabis banking program. 
So can you discuss the underwriting process for new loans and the different roles that Guardian and Safe Harbor play in the process? That one I will send over to Jasper because in the 10 months I've been here, we haven't had to underwrite a new cannabis loan, mm-hmm. but I know we had a couple on the books. The interesting way that we we handle the underwriting and the actual loans for those involved in the cannabis space is we do a participation loan. So our institution and a number of other institutions effectively work together with uh, Safe Harbor in Colorado, and we utilize them as the underwriting service and the underwriting provider and basically the the loan originator. And then we, our institution and other institutions then basically provide liquidity to that loan. So it's kind of like a group effort to provide loans to these these cannabis-related businesses. Okay, great. And what is the average size loan, you know, uh, if you will, that you're seeing within the credit union space and more specifically, I mean, Guardian because well Guardian is the only game in town. We've I've seen from what I whatever called seeing is anywhere from a hundred thousand and loans up to multiple millions. And what's great about the participation loan process is that our institution can can decide how much we would like to contribute to that that pool of funds for that loan so that we're not, you know, putting too much on the table and over over lending to these cannabis industries. Right. So so in essence you're syndicating the loan, if you will, like a bank might do. You're getting, you know, uh, many different institutions to take a piece of that loan. That's right. Okay, got it, got it. Maybe this goes back to Steve. What's been the biggest surprise that you didn't expect in deciding to provide banking and lending services to the cannabis industry? Now, Steve, I understand you've only been there since April of last year. So maybe it's what's been the biggest surprise, you know, in, in, you know, since last April, since joining, that you've seen in terms of cannabis banking that you didn't expect? I think I can give you two answers to that one. That's a great question, Joe. The biggest surprise for me is that offering cannabis banking really seems to unite people from all walks of life. And I'll give you some examples of that. As part of my job as CEO of a credit union, we go up to Washington, D.C., and, and we go up to Tallahassee. So we meet our federal and our state lawmakers, especially with the federal lawmakers. We're really trying to convince them to pass legislation called the Safe Banking Act, which you may have covered in some of your previous programs. But that Safe Banking Act would make it easier for many more financial institutions to provide cannabis banking. And you might be thinking, well, why would I why would I lobby for that when right now we have essentially a monopoly? Right. Audience is the only credit union that offers it. It's because we really feel strongly that more cannabis businesses need to have a safe place to bank. And Guardian's credit unit has limited bandwidth. I mean, we can't serve all the cannabis businesses in the state, but and there are others that could. You know, we cover Southeast Florida primarily. So we do we do want to expand that market so that more can can enter into it. Uh, we think there's there's enough business for everyone. And I just feel, like I said, philosophically that the time has come for the federal government to to legalize, if not legalize marijuana, at least legalize marijuana banking so that federal credit unions and national banks can enter that market too. But what was so surprising is in, in going to Washington, especially where you know, there's so much partisanship, that was the only issue that I talked about that was popular, whether I was talking to Republicans or Democrats. 
they all found that cannabis banking really resonates with them, that they feel it's a it's a fairness issue, it's a free enterprise issue, you know, it's an entrepreneurship issue. Everyone seems to support cannabis banking. That that's been the biggest surprise. Honestly, I thought I'd go up there and I I might run into some brick walls from people saying we you know we're philosophically against legalizing drugs and we're philosophically against banking with criminals. I mean, there's some people that have that extreme view, but I didn't find any of those views in Capitol Hill. That was really encouraging to me and surprising. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, it's needed. Uh, you, you, I hear stories, and I'm sure as you do, you know, with these cannabis-related businesses that don't have banking relationships, it, it, it exposes them to a level of risk that you know, uh, they probably didn't expect getting into the business. I know New York, you know, getting into cannabis in the last year and a half. I hear, you know, with, from my contacts up there that there's a, a lot of theft, you know, cash. So obviously having that banking relationship, you know, as well as credit cards will help, um, you know, s- smooth that out, if you will. But that's a, you know, a great segue, you know, into, you know, my next question, which is the headlines that were reading about in the cannabis industry with rescheduling, 280E, safe banking, which you hit on. Uh, you gave some of your thoughts on, on on safe banking, but overall with the rescheduling and 280E, obviously, you know, how will that impact your business? Kim, you want to jump in on that question? Sorry. <laughs> as far as the descheduling, you know, I'd like to see it statewide. It would give us more opportunities for recreational and and bring in more business for us. You probably you probably need more credit unions at that point in time, you know, and more locations, you know, with the rescheduling, because obviously that will open up the floodgates, if you will, in terms of uh, more business and and people being able to you know have those types of relationships. Okay, that that's good. And hopefully um, we could educate other credit unions uh, based on our knowledge. Right. Well, education is always critical, right? In, in any in any aspect of business and in life, you know, the, uh, knowledge is power. The more that you know, obviously, the better that you can uh, provide that service to a particular industry such as cannabis. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the landscaping and banking, if you will, which it does overflow. I'm going to say banking, but it's banking and credit unions alike. Uh, given that we've seen failures in, in the banking sector over the last year, recently in the last week, Steve, you and I are from the New York area. So the headlines about the New York Community Bank and uh, them having a little bit of uh, some issues with their CRE portfolio and you know the assets they bought from Signature Bank. What's been happening in the banking sector, you know, with the challenges over the last year and potential issues going forward. Has this impacted your business at all, Steve? I mean, have you seen more business come to the credit union or are you seeing people, you know, more, you know, concerned about what's going on in banking and, you know, concerned it might happen with credit unions? Another great question, Joe. I would say the answer to that is both. When I first arrived in in early April, it was the 3rd of April, the the headlines were about Republic Bank and about Silicon Valley Bank. Mm Mm-hmm. Failing and so the, so at first it was concern. So the, by very first month here at Guardians Credit Union, I had many members coming in concerned about their finances because they'd just seen two 
banks much bigger than, than Guardian's credit union go down because they didn't have enough money. So that's that's the first thing people want to know is, is my money safe? Do you all have enough money to protect us? So we're able to, through word of mouth, through marketing, through a website, to reassure everyone that yes, Guardian's credit union is different from a bank, but it, it definitely put me on notice as an incoming first-time CEO that we really needed to get ahead of this. So the second part of your question is also true, that it, it did affect the way we do business because in the second half of 2023, we really had to slow down our lending operation because the way the interest rate market was, deposit rates had been, had risen substantially and they were rising much faster than the loan rates. And it was starting to get to the point where if we started putting new loans on the books, they would have been underwater. We wouldn't have had enough deposits to cover those loans. So we had to take about the last six months to let deposits catch up to loans so that we can really start lending again the way we like to. Because the demand for lending, to your question, Joe, the demand for lending really increased when people started reading about the, the bank failures. And I think enough of our members do understand that credit unions are different for banks and different from banks as a nonprofit alternative that you know, we don't speculate really in the commercial lending market. So other than the, the couple of cannabis loans that we, we make, we don't do a lot of business lending. So the, it's mainly consumer lending. And we actually had to start selling our mortgages as well because we couldn't put big mortgages on our balance sheet without the deposits to support those generally $300,000 to $500,000 mortgages. So we... <laughs> We were fortunate enough to, to partner with a, a firm that would pay us cash for every mortgage that we originated, and then we would receive the cash, which helped our liquidity to fund more loans without running out of cash. It was, an, it was a cycle of success that we ended up having one of the best years in the 70-year history of Guardian's Credit Union with that strategy. But I really would this year like to get back to a more traditional credit union strategy so we're offering some really good rates on deposits now. We have a new 5% CD that we just launched, and that's bringing in some new money. We we have a, a landing page on the website. It's guardianscu.coop slash promotions slash cannabis dash banking. And that gives you a really nice overview of the Guardians Credit Union Cannabis Banking Program and, and what makes the Credit Union Cannabis Banking Program different from many others out in the country. Yeah, it's, it's it's a great site. And it's interesting. Maybe you can talk about the differences. Everybody, most of us are familiar with FDIC insurance. Accounts are insured up to 250 depending on the registration. Your equivalent to the FDIC is the NCUA. Can you talk a little bit about the, the coverage, which I understand is also 250 per account? But just for our listeners that are not familiar with uh, how credit unions operate, the similarities in terms of the insurance and how that is covered? That's another great question because not many people, I think, outside of, of the credit union industry understand what NCUA insurance is and that by law, it has to be able to provide the exact same coverage for consumers and businesses that FDIC provides. So you're right. It's the exact same limits, $250,000 per account. You can structure the accounts the same way you would at a bank with, with joint ownership at times to, to actually maximize your coverage. And that that's the similarity, but there are also some differences. What's different about the credit union 
insurance fund through NCUA is it, it capitalizes on the cooperative membership structure of individual credit unions. So with FDIC, what they do, they basically build the banks every year for for the insurance coverage. They just send a, what they call a premium, just like regular insurance where you pay an insurance premium. But what's interesting about credit unions insurance is the NCUA doesn't have to charge a premium. The credit unions are actually owners of the credit union insurance fund. Each credit union every year automatically puts 1% of its total deposits into the insurance fund. And that provides the equity that sustains the insurance fund. So the insurance fund is, I think it's nearing $20 billion worth of coverage now for credit union members around the country. But it, it really is a nice ode to the credit union ownership structure that the credit unions have an, a stake in the insurance fund. It, they're not just uh, customers of it. You know, like banks are customers of the FDIC. Right, right. It's interesting. Okay, you just, so it you really just... is a cooperative movement. And there was something Kim said earlier I, I was hoping I could follow up on. Mm -hmm. where she mentioned that you know, we actually would like to help other credit unions learn how to provide cannabis banking. And we've already started doing that. There are some credit unions up in the northern part of Florida, where we don't have branches right now, that are interested in offering cannabis banking up there. And we were more than happy to reach out to them and, and share our expertise on what's been successful with our cannabis banking program to help them get up and running. Okay, that's good to know. Hopefully our listeners you know, who are in other areas of the state, if they're credit unions or they know credit unions, you know, please send them over to uh, speak with Steve. That being said, from the education perspective, obviously it's critical and you, you want to educate the other credit unions to get into the space. What about the expansion plans with Guardians? I mean, are there plans to expand, you know, into other branches and other areas within Florida? Speaking personally, I would say yes. I have a, a board of directors, and like I mentioned, with credit unions, the board of directors is all volunteer, and they're they're all really great experts in the business community in Southeast Florida. So this is the community that we know. So we've had some really in-depth, strategic, philosophical discussions about that because I'm a big believer coming from NCUA, an insurance company, I'm a big believer in diversity and diversification. So I think long-term, it would be helpful for the credit union to expand throughout the state So because there's different economies, as you well know, you know, living down here in Southeast Florida, the Northern economy is different, Central economy is different, even the Jacksonville area. I would love to be able to one day say that Guardians can serve the entire state of Florida. Absolutely. And I would even go further than that and say even further in the, into the future, wouldn't mind seeing Guardians go into other regions of the country. You know, Jasper mentioned Colorado, you know, being a hotbed. There certainly are other markets where it just spreads the risk as a, as a financial CEO. You know, what keeps me up at night is just making sure that we do absolutely everything we can to be good stewards of our members' money. And I think the more we can diversify our portfolios, diversify our, our economic base, the stronger the credit union will be. But I'm, I'm taking it one step at a time. So my board of directors has been really good about keeping me focused and having a, a mid-range and a long-term plan as well as a short-term plan. So in the short term, you know, we're definitely looking at expanding opportunities right here in Southeast Florida. 
For example, now our branches, as you mentioned, they, they're they're based in West Palm. We've got several branches in Palm Beach County. And then we have one branch down in Dade County and one branch up in St. Lucie County. But as you know the geography of the state very well, you realize that that branch footprint skips two counties in the middle. We skip Broward County and we skip Martin County. So the first steps we like is actually to either merge with other credit unions in those two counties, you know, counties that cover cities like Fort Lauderdale and, and Broward County and Stewart up in Martin County, either merge with credit unions that are already serving members there or, or build our own facilities. But it really would be nice to have five contiguous counties in Southeast Florida before we start expanding further. That makes sense. Short and long term. Wow, that makes sense. Hey, listen, open up one down here in Boca. You know, we're right down the street. We're actually looking at Boca. There's a a good base of, as you know, a good base of employees and, and long-term residents there that would help diversify for sure the membership of Guardians Credit Union. I would love to, love to be in Boca. Okay. Well, that, keep me posted. And when you open up, I'll, uh, I'll become a member. Thank you. Well, yeah, you can become a member anytime because <laughs> yeah, we, we are open to anyone who lives in, in those counties, but- but I understand it's, it, many people do like to have a branch nearby. It's interesting, though, because the credit union I came from, the Pentagon Federal Credit Union, had three million members, but they didn't have many branches. Most of their members were were electronic only. Is that a big part of your business, or you want to make that a bigger part of your business, that's, the electronic? That's a great question. That's really why I brought it up, Joe, because when I came <laughs> Thanks here- Thanks for setting me up there. Yeah. When I came here to Gartner- <laughs> Pentagon Federal, as you said, second biggest credit union in the world, $36 billion in assets and 3 million members. To go from that to, to a credit union guardian size, which is 37,000 members, not a bad membership side, 37,000 is quite strong. Mm-hmm. But the asset size of $300 million is very different, obviously, from the Pentagon. So what, what occurred to me is the business model here is very different. It's, it really is more about face-to-face interactions. And that's why I'm so proud of what Kim and Jasper do because they're out with the cannabis businesses and backing them face to face on a daily basis. And our branches here throughout the the three counties that we have branches in are are always full. There's always a quite a long line. And at first I thought as CEO, that's that's a problem. I don't like people waiting half an hour to get in to see a, a loan officer or to open up a CD. But the more I, I talk to the members and the employees, I realize that that's really what we do. That's what we're all about. We don't just we don't just take in one product at a time. When a member comes in, we look at their entire portfolio, their entire budget, their family situation, their employment situation, their assets, their liabilities, their debt, and we really work out a plan for that. And that's part of what what credit unions do too. It's financial education uh, of each other and and of our members. So. That that's going to be a long to answer your question, Joe. That's going to be a long process to go from that really high high touch, hands on service, face to face, to go toward the future of banking, which you know some people believe is is entirely web based or mobile app based. I think there's room for both, but with this credit union, I realize I don't want to change too much too soon. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is working, and we're really helping people who need it. I, one of the, the sound bites that actually I created after visiting all of these members and branches is that members come in and we don't always give them the loan that they want, but we give them the loan that they need because we never want to put a member in a loan that they can't afford. 
Right. So we give them the things they need to help build their credit, and then they can come back and get the loan they want. Mm-hmm. Well, I got I got to say that you know it, it makes sense exactly everything that you just said, and in terms of the, the online presence and you know wanting to expand, I think it's generational. Okay, you and I are you know uh, touchy feely, go into the branch, have that you know face to face relationship. You know the younger generations, these millennials. They're all online. I mean, you know, they're all, they're on banking, they're on their phone, TikTok, they're on Facebook, they're on all, they're doing everything online. So I think, I think from that perspective, that's a market, you know, that, that um, will be the online market, you know, in terms of opening online banking accounts and online accounts with credit unions. That's, you know, exciting, really. I mean, very educational. I learned a lot and this has really uh, been a, a great, uh, you know, interview uh, thus far. I, I want to segue a little bit, but as we get ready to wrap up, we talked about, you know, Guardians, you know, and what you guys are doing, your cannabis banking program, your footprint. I uh, learned a, a great deal uh, of information and knowledge over the last 30 minutes. I want to just talk a little bit about success and failure, because I think that is always paramount to, you know, any organization's CEO, such as yourself, and how they got there. I mean, for the show, we talked a little bit about your, your, you know, your background, some of your, you know, earlier successes. But can you talk a little bit for our audience about success and how much of your success would you, you know, attribute to luck and how much attributable to timing? I think one piece of advice I get asked to, to speak to to young professionals quite a bit. Right. And one piece of advice I would give them is. is Maybe counterintuitive, Joe, but I, I tell them, don't try to plan out your your career and say, in two years, I want to get promoted to a certain position. And then two years after that, I want to jump to another company. So you mentioned timing. Timing is everything. <laughs> you have to be ready to take the opportunities when they present themselves. And I've been the kind of person that I, I feel very fortunate. That's why I'm, I'm a little hesitant to even answer the question about my own success because I do feel there was a lot of luck involved. That's all right. <laughs> but I think I think I was in the right place at the right time. You know, but I think I the one thing I I'll give myself credit for is I recognized good opportunities when they arose. And even though I wasn't planning on leaving you know, a particular employer at his time, I said this this is an opportunity I can't pass up. And I had that many times in my career as I go through all the various jobs I had, I, I took some chances. Sometimes you have to take a chance and, and bet on yourself. Absolutely. I, 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 I think I can do this job. I, the first time I lived in Florida, uh, I start, I was working, as I mentioned, for Bankrate Monitor, and uh, the internet hadn't come out yet. It's now called Bankrate.com. It still exists. But remember, I told you I discovered that credit unions were America's best-kept secret, right? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't the only one. There were three other reporters there that had that same epiphany that said credit unions stories need to be told. So we left Bankrate Monitor and we started our own newspaper. And I'll tell you, Joe, for the first six weeks, we weren't getting paid. We were doing it completely for free. We we're trying to get our, our paper out there. We were giving it away to every, we just mailed it to every credit union in the country for free in the hopes that we could then convert those into paid subscriptions. So I was painting houses in, in South Florida in the summertime. Right. <laughs> to, right. To to just to pay my bills. 
and and really betting on the success of that credit union times which still exists today also it's now online it's called cutimes.com and yeah that when that newspaper took off we actually made a, a decent living on that and i was asked to speak at a conference of credit union media i was asked to speak by the credit union national association the, the number one trade association for credit unions and i was reluctant to speak on the panel i'd never done it before but i i went to their conference and i spoke and after that i spoke the vice president, the senior vice president of public relations for the Credit Union National Association asked me if I wanted to come and work for him in PR, but it would mean leaving Florida and moving to Wisconsin. <laughs> as, a, as a Florida resident, you know, that's, that's probably change. the last place you would want to move, right? <laughs> but I took that chance too. You know, at 20 year, 28 years old to be offered a vice president job at a national association, I, I had to, to take that chance. I couldn't wow. turn it down. My friend said, if you don't take this opportunity now, you might never get one like it again. And that was the move that really spearheaded my whole career. I went from there then to Washington uh, and uh, as you know, the rest of the story, working right. for NCUA and then the Pentagon Federal Credit Union and now Guardians. Okay. So so timing is a good thing. I and mean, obviously, you know, but then you have to have the knowledge base and you have the knowledge base and yet the wherewithal. So you were at the right place, you had the right connections and one thing led to the other. And I think that's great for young, you know, young millennials, if you will, uh, getting into uh, the business world to understand that, hey, everything is not handed up to you on a, you know, a uh, silver platter. You got to you work your way up. And I think that's, you know, a great story for for, for young people to uh, to understand. But with that, obviously, there's always failure in anybody's career. Can you can you pinpoint and just share because I think it's important that people understand, you know, what's been you know one of the biggest failures in your in your business uh, career, and, and what lessons, more importantly, did you take away from the failure to make you a better manager and a better leader? I still get PTSD about this one, Joe. Um, back in 1995, shortly after I took that job with the Credit Union National Association, there was a, a media inquiry from USA Today, and they wanted to do a story about credit unions versus banks, and they, they made it really adversarial. And you can tell, I think, in the time I've just talked to you today that I'm not an adversarial person. I really believe in helping people and and sharing the wealth in this country. I think there's enough prosperity for everyone in America. And so I really didn't want to get involved in this this bank bashing type story. They wanted were trying to bait me to get to say bad things about banks. And like I said here, I think banks serve a different purpose than credit unions and they each serve a unique set of, of constituents. So I think there's plenty of room for we have 130 million credit union members in this country and and the rest are bank customers and and some People use both credit unions and banks for different product needs. So there's room for all of us. But it, it didn't play well. It didn't play. It, it sounded like I was not as much of an advocate for credit unions as I should have been as the mm -hmm. vice president of, of PR for the Credit Union National Association. And I took a lot of heat for that. I, uh, that to me was a real failure to not see that the words that I put out in that USA Today article were, were really... <laughs> not what the credit union community was looking to hear. It's not what credit union members were looking to hear. Mm -hmm. I, I had to take take the lesson that really where the words matter. 
And you know that very well as, as a radio interviewer, right, Joe? I mean, you choose your words carefully. So it really made me more thoughtful before I, I would share my, my personal beliefs. There's some cases where you, you really do have to, especially in public relations, where you have to you know, sort of speak the company line. But I, I really feel at, at the bottom of it all, you still have to be honest and you have to be true to yourself. And Absolutely. if you're in a job that you're not comfortable in, if you're doing things that that just don't feel right to you, then you know, do some deep soul searching and consider moving on. And that, that's what you end up doing. Absolutely. Well, that that's uh, obviously a, a lesson that was learned. Obviously, you took away um, a lot from that uh, from that interview, and I'm sure it's benefited you to this day. Well, well, this is really great, uh, Steve. I really appreciate your time uh, on today's show. If anybody wants to learn more about Guardian's credit union, wants to get in contact, whether it's individuals who want to become members or credit unions that want to learn more about what you're doing here in South Florida, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? You know, right now, as you mentioned, we have just started online account opening. That's going to go live at the end of this month. So really the best place to start would be our website, guardianscu.coop, which is C-O-O-P. And for, particularly for the cannabis businesses, you can just uh, hit the search icon and then type in cannabis and you'll get our cannabis landing page. Thanks for listening to Freedom to Buy uh, this afternoon, presented by Supernet. You can learn more about our payment network by visiting our website at supernet.ai. And you can listen to past episodes of Freedom to Buy on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, as well as Google Podcasts. Uh, Please join us next week to learn more about your freedom to buy. Thank you and have a good afternoon.